This is no ordinary pod. No ordinary pod. This is no ordinary pod. Cha cha. No ordinary pod. Yes, that this is the ordinary pod on the ordinary pod network. That was no humor as always. I'm your. I am your other co-host, Michael Duggar. We are the No Ordinary Pod team, coming to you live Monday morning, 7.58, with some interesting news to discuss. We're going to go over the Andrew Luck retirement, then cover the Miami-Florida game, if you want to call it a game. That is some semblance of college football. Um, Before we get to that, Noah, you... We talked last night, and you surprised me on the phone and said you were watching an MLS game between FC Dallas and Houston FC. And I said, if you want the real experience and you want to, and then we could talk about it, you should stay up an extra hour and a half, two hours, and watch El Trafico between LAFC and LA Galaxy. And you tuned into one of the games of the year in the MLS. So I'm a massive soccer fan. It's my favorite sport to watch and indulge. You, I don't know if you're slowly becoming one, but what were your thoughts on El Trafico, and did the level and talent of play surprise you? I think the most, the initial thing that was surprising to me was the atmosphere that they had at the game. Uh, that stadium was rocking, like it, they were they were bumping in that stadium, and it had a. Do you know? What, you know. It reminded me of like UCF Memphis when Scott Frost was there, their last <laughs> that last year. Sorry, it always comes back. I know but it always goes because back because you know that because you know that stadium is that soccer stadium small, and UCF stadium is also kind of feels like a, like a high school stadium, um, and it just kind of had the, and it the fans. All decked out in black so maybe that was another reason why but they were just screaming the entire game just singing going all back and forth but I was impressed with like the speed of the game um it was a lot of like transition play or at least in the beginning you know Zlatan mm-hmm. had scored within the first like what 100 seconds 115 seconds mm-hmm. um and then they go up one and then uh, they ended up tying at one one before, I think Galaxy had two back to back goals within the span of like what forty five seconds of each other. Yep. Three, like the six, you had to go up three one. And then the uh, LAFC fought back and got made it three two before going into halftime while they got that last goal in extra. But I was just impressed just overall with how intense the game was because in comparison to the game that I was watching beforehand, it was night and day. Yeah. LAFC is the best team in the MLS right now. And the galaxy are the fourth in the Western conference. And they also have the two best players in the league in Carlos Vea and Zlatan, like you said, what do you think of them pulling Carlos Vea at like what the 60 minute 60th minute mark? Yeah. It it would, it comes down to, what um what they value i'm going to try to put this in, put this into another con- a sport context let's say basketball let's say 
who's the best player? Let's say Giannis was playing in a regular season game against Philadelphia or Toronto, and he had the slightest little hint that his hamstring is pulled, and there's some tightness there. Would you pull Giannis, or would you say, hey, this is a rivalry game. You have to fight through and play. No, you follow what Coach Pop always does, and you rest when they when your players need rest. They're, I mean, NBA's gotten upset at the Spurs before because they've bombed national televised games, high mark, high marquee games because Pop's like, we're not doing it right now. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's why Carlos Vela showed some frustration on the sideline. But then afterwards, he was supported being the captain that he had to be. But to go back to the atmosphere that we talked about. Before this team was even officially playing, LAFC flew nearly a dozen, dozen supporter group leaders to Germany in February of 2018 to meet with fans of Borussia Dortmund, the working-class Bundesliga team in Germany, with deep values of an, and an average attendance of more than 80,000 per game, the best of any soccer club in the world. They, so the atmosphere was created by Will Farrell, who's in the ownership group at LAFC, saying, hey, we want to have the best fans. The fans create the atmosphere. They create... They don't create the product, but you can make a massive product and make an attractive um, team and organization if your fans are crazy and your fans are passionate, and that's what they did with this, which is why you see teams like Atlanta United having unbelievable crowds. The Galaxy have consistent crowds. Minnesota, and then in the new teams like Minnesota and Cincinnati, they all have crazy crowds, and it's it's just awesome to see the MLS develop. Um, so that's it. Just want to do a quick thing about that. And let's get to the big news. Andrew Luck, during the Miami-Florida game, we're just you know sitting there watching college football. It's nice to be back in, the, in that mix of stuff. And then all of a sudden on the ticker, it says breaking news. Adam Schefter reports, Andrew Luck has retired from the NFL. And it was it, – it shocked everyone. It shocked me. You and I discussed on our AFC South podcast that, we you know, the, cannot, the, the quietness around this injury is concerning, which is why we – we said we'd pick the under of their wins, which is why we said we picked the Titans to win the division, which is still kind of kind of crazy to say out loud. But he retired. He said the injuries just took a toll on him. They made it not fun for him. He couldn't stand it. He was in this cycle of rehabbing and pain and rehabbing and pain, and he just couldn't get out of it. And I'm not even going to say it's not even worth entertaining the things, the fact there's like, oh, no, he quit on his team, all that stuff, the timing of it. You're, they're humans. He did what he could. And he's moving on with his life. And he seemed very relieved. He seemed very at peace with his decision, which is why he waited two weeks. He decided two weeks ago, a week and a half ago. So it, watching his press, I recommend if, if you're a human being or you're a fan and just in general of the sport, just watch his press conference and see, just see the emotion and, and how difficult the decision was. But then afterwards you see how he can finally rehab and do a and, move forward with his life and try to get to a pain-free zone. It honestly choked me up a little bit watching it. And he's the one person, he, if you're listening to it and stuff, he's talking about how he loves his teammates, he just loves all these things, the game of football. He's one of the few people you would think, you, you know for a fact he's not being phony. So, Noah, how will you remember the seven seasons that Andrew Luck played in the NFL? I always remember... I think I'll always remember him as the guy that came in and took over Peyton Manning's legacy. And honestly, when you watched him, you had a 
I had more optimism for the Colts with him than I did towards the back end of Peyton Manning's career on the basis that Andrew Luck could do it all. When Andrew Luck was on the field, he was he transcended the game in terms of just put, having his team have the ability to win. Um, he's a strong-armed guy who's – he's like a mix between – he's got – he kind of is made in a QB lab because he's kind of got the brain of Peyton Manning. He's got like the – ability to move like to not get knocked down like big ben he's got the ability to escape the pocket kind of he's kind of has this capability of like a donovan McNabb. Mm, i like that comparison and then he has the arm talent i mean if his shoulder wouldn't have gotten destroyed he's had the arm talent that was up there with aaron Rodgers. in my opinion he did. I did. He did have that zip, like that low liner zip that just carried yeah, for a while, like Rogers. Kind of, yeah, yeah, it just kind of went, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't matter. It hasn't mattered who he was thrown to. Doesn't matter which tight end he had. Didn't matter which receivers he had. He's been playing with a revolving door. Didn't matter if Ty was playing or not. Like he was going to get the job done more often than not. I guess the most disappointing part of it is just seeing a guy as talented and as great as he, as he is and hardworking and uh, it's what seems to be is just a solid, great human being um, get injury riddled um, and not enjoy it as much. I remember, I don't know if I was talking to you or if I just saw it on Twitter somewhere, but someone said that last year, Andrew Luck, you know, first he was his first year under Frank Reich. Um, and being under that Kansas City, Philadelphia kind of coaching tree umbrella, he finally got like some solid, solid coaching. And he said, I can, is, are you allowed to have this much fun playing football? Like, is this, mm-hmm. is this allowed? Like he hadn't had that much play, fun playing football in such a long time. And then, but he just promised himself that he wasn't going to go through that, all that again. And I respect that he's stick, that he's sticking to his word. I saw... I read an article last night saying that he's got uh, about to be a father or is a new father. So he's got a kid to be looking forward to. He's a, made a lot of money in the NFL, but I don't blame him for not wanting to keep going through rehab. I'll just read the injuries he's had. Torn cartilage in two ribs. Parsley torn abdomen. It's abdomen, right? That's how you say it? Yeah. Okay, I was trying to sit, pronounce it the other night. It's like ab- abdomen. I was just... Just going all the place. It's abdomen. Okay. A lacerated kidney that left him peeing blood. At least one concussion. That guy has more than one concussion. A torn labrum in his throwing shoulder and this mysterious calf ankle issue. And I really think it's a blood clot, but I'm not going to speculate on anything. It just sounds weird that it's rising. I'm not a health expert. You are the health expert. And it's weird that it's just rising from his calf. That's going from his calf to his ankle, all these things. But... You know, he won the comeback player of the year last year. He had his best, most efficient season last year, completed 67% of his passes, 4,500 yards, 39 touchdowns. Those were just below his um, just below his career highs in, 2015, in 2014. He was sacked 18 times this year, which for him is that's, that's, that's amazing. That's a 2.7 sack percentage compared to 6.1, 5. 5.3, 4.2, 4.9, 7.0%. No and... Luck was awesome. Came, no one, we haven't had a prospect like Luck since 
Peyton Manning come into the league with this much hype, deliver on the hype, make the playoffs four out of his six seasons, four out of his six seasons, career record 53 and 33. It's, he was awesome. And I saw someone compare him to Barry Sanders, but, and then I saw another comparison. And I think I never got to saw this guy play, but Gail Sayers, Gail Sayers left after six, six, seven seasons, the height of his career. I know he had, I know he had leg injuries himself too, but it's, it's, there's, this is a great what if, but I don't even really feel like diving into that because the real thing with this is, and I'm hopefully going to write an article about it, is that um, when you have a prime asset, and by asset I mean you have a top-level quarterback on a rookie deal, and you do not give him an offensive line to protect him, this could happen, which is why... I am pretty terrified for Deshaun Watson. I'm pretty terrified for Baker Mayfield because, yes, the Browns completely improved their defense by getting Olivia Vernon, but they traded away their guard. They traded away, their offensive line took a massive hit. And in the last preseason game against the Bucks, yeah, the Bucks who don't have the best pass rush, Baker was, went 8 for 19, and yes, he didn't have Odell and Chubb and Landry, but he had he was getting pressured all the time. Look at the Eagles. We always revert to the Eagles in terms of team building. They have the best offensive line depth in the NFL, and Jason Peters is on his last legs, last couple seasons, and guess what they do? They draft Andre Dillard, the best pass-blocking tight end, and he's been the best um, pass-blocker in college, I mean, in, in preseason. Russell Wilson... Yes, the guy can scramble for everything and knock on wood doesn't take the biggest hits and never miss a start in his life, but they're not building an offensive line in front of him. There's just all of these things where you have a quarterback on a rookie deal, especially on a rookie deal, you build an offensive line. And that's where the Colts started doing. That's where Ryan Grigson, who ironically is now an assistant to the GM in Seattle of all places, invested three top six-round draft picks in offensive linemen. They were all bust. Chris Bowler comes in for two years, completely changes the offensive line, gives protects the asset. And it's just we you and I always discuss. We we harp on offensive line rankings definitely more so than ninety five percent of people. Because you and I both know you can't do anything without the big guys up front. You go look at the teams that make the playoffs, make the deep runs, they all have the they're all at the top of the list of the offensive linemen. And the Chiefs are doing it. Chiefs have protected um, are protecting Mahomes the Colts protected Luck but it was just too late man and it's it's it's, it's sad man I love Luck and, the, and and you never want to see a player in his prime retire like this I don't really think anyone ever had a hard time rooting for Luck I think he was no. a, I think he's a very easy guy to root for you always kind of wanted to see it was he was fun to watch and you know what? Actually, after thinking about it a little bit, do you know what I'm going to remember Luck for? His <laughs> NFL sound bites of him being the nicest guy on the on the field. Oh yeah, I'm about to bring him, that, bring him, that him, up. Yeah, him getting sacked and then he goes, "Oh hey, he get, uh, the guy just puts him into the ground. He goes, "Hey man, nice hit. Oh, I'm and, a, I'm a right hit. Yeah, oh. yeah, 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 nice hit. Yeah. <laughs> hey, great tackle, man. That was a great tackle. Yeah, 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 great tackle. 
you know, and he's just such mm-hmm. a, he, he was a nice guy on the field. If you haven't listened to those sound bites by him, uh, you should definitely go. They're hilarious. And I always try to take, sometimes when I play sports um, in high school, I try to do this. Um, I try to take a page out of his playbook and I try to sometimes compliment players on the opposing team like that. And I don't know. I don't think he was doing it in uh, like a sneaky way because it seemed extremely genuine, but it can uh, be, it can be a subliminal mind game that he's playing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, definite subliminal line, mind game that he's playing. Like, Oh, I don't want to, maybe like, I don't want to hit this guy. Maybe you can get the defender to think, Oh, I don't want to hit this guy as hard. You look how nice of a guy he is. Mm-hmm. NFL players aren't necessarily going to be thinking that, but if you can even put a seed of doubt in someone's mind, hey, you're already winning. But that's probably what I'll remember Andrew Luck for. But to speak on the offensive line thing, I worry about a lot of quarterbacks that are going to be going through that. Um, Arizona better get it figured out with Kyler Murray over the next couple of years. Yes, please, uh, lo- please. Look at, look at a quarterback who wasn't a first or second round talent and is now has the chance to getting one of the biggest quarterback contracts in the NFL in Dak Prescott and look at mm-hmm. the offensive line he's been behind. Look at the success that he's had as a quarterback behind an offensive line like that. And then you compare him to imagine Jameis on the Cowboys. Yeah. That's an interesting debate. I want to have that debate another time. Honestly. Yeah, uh, it is an interesting debate. Write that down. Um, but yeah, it's it sucks. You know, we're not. We don't really have. You know, I know other media people are going to go around because they have stories with this guy and stuff like that. We don't. We're just football fans, and we love. We genuinely love football. And seeing someone who display this passion all the time, not be in the league anymore, it's going to hurt a little bit. It's going to hurt a little bit. Um, I'm going to I'm going to go through these quarterback these offensive line rankings real quick on established thrown by Brandon Thorne who always does a great job with it. The last teams, the Texans are 31, Bengals are 30, but we don't care about them right now. Cardinals are 29th, Jets are 28th, another young quarterback in Sam Darnold. Browns are 27th, another young quarterback in Baker. Giants 26 with Daniel Jones. Raiders twenty fourth. Uh, let me let me keep. I'll go to the, just twenty. Jags nah, and Seahawks. I just named all, and the Bills are nineteenth. I just named all of these teams that have young quarterbacks or they did with Russell Wilson, and they don't and they're not investing on their own line yet. They're investing in skill position players and stuff like that. So we'll see how much they can handle. But you know, tip of the cap to you, Andrew Luck. It was awesome. Hopefully you're you. You're not on social media or anything, so you're going to be tough to follow. But hopefully, you just sh- you show up and get a college. Imagine him like in the booth calling games. Him and Pat McAfee should be the new Monday Night Football team and Joe Tessitore. I would tune into whatever Andrew Luck's saying. Yeah, I mean, just throw a bunch a boatload of money at him. People love Tony Romo. Why not get Andrew Luck in there? Um, but we have to move on and talk about talk about how this affects the Colts real quick. Because once again, you and I, ahead of the curve, talked about what you, what their record would be with Jacoby Brissett. Well, Vegas thinks Andrew Luck is worth three wins because the Colts over under is now six and a half wins. So, how quickly do you expect the Colts to be in the quarterback market, 
And do you think that that six and a half win threshold? Where do you where do you reside on that? With the um, I'm taking the over to the bank like right now. I think they're because their over under was nine and a half before, right? Yes, it's six and a half now. And I said that if Andrew Luck plays all 16 games, I would take the over. Because if Andrew Luck plays all 16 games, they are for sure the best team in the AFC South. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't play, I would say I'd take the under because I think they're going to be around 8-8. Eight and eight. I'm going to stand by that. I still think that this is a 7-8 win team at minimum with Jacoby Brissett. Um, we've seen this is Frank Reich's offense. They have two awesome tight ends. They have Marlon Mack and Naheem Himes. They still have that offensive line. They still have T.Y. Hilton. They have – who else they got at receiver? Devin Funches, Paris they Campbell. Still got Devin, they have Devin Funches, Paris Campbell, Paris Campbell, a speed burner. Devin Funches, big body. T.Y. Hilton, uh, a speed burner, zigzag guy that can – great route runner. That defense, Malik Hooker, led by Malik Hooker and um, the defensive rookie of the year Darius last Leonard. year, Darius Leonard. You know, you have a lot of different pieces around there. You have one of the best offensive lines, especially with Quentin Nelson, like, headlining it. Like, you're going to have some young pieces. They have abundance of cap space, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll be in the QB market next year. Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I, I like the at least the current this year's future with Jacoby Brissett. Is it, this I, isn't like the 2017 season where they went four and 12 and stuff like that, because that was the Chuck Pagano area era. And now this team has like you, like you mentioned, Frank Reich, big upgrade in coaching, especially on the offensive end, big upgrade in talent around the quarterback position, all that stuff. Their schedule's tough. Their schedule's tough. Seven wins is not out of the question and circle back. The thing that really got me, that got me like very sad and in my feelings about the Colts thing when the Andrew Luck thing was when he started talking about Ty, because you see you could see that bond and then you go and you see Ty's tweet and I sent it to you. I'm just like, man, it's this this is this is how you know that Andrew Luck is appreciated and loved by his teammates, and it's just funny that there were 12 and 13. They were legit. Like Ty said, that is legit my best friend, and he's looking forward to balling out the season. Um, wouldn't it be funny if the Colts, so say Brissett is bad this year, does good this year, and then they keep him for next year, and then he does bad, and they get the first overall pick, and then they get Trevor Lawrence? That would be nuts. They go from Peyton Manning to Luck to Trevor I was actually just going to say, I think Trevor Lawrence is probably, it's gone. I don't think we've had a prospect like Andrew Luck. Like Trevor Lawrence is that like it went Peyton Manning then Andrew Luck now Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Like I would say that that's a pretty solid progression in terms of those three quarterbacks. Hopefully, man, if the Colts got another top quarterback talent like that, that would be nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, night they've had for twenty seasons of the past twenty seasons, eighteen of them the Colts have had Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck, and they have one Super Bowl title to show for it which is to show you the true dominance of the New England Patriots. Not only that, but 
poor management's poor management. Doesn't matter mm-hmm. how talented your staff may be, poor management's poor management. And you can have the best product in the world, you can have the best athletes on the field, but if you're not putting your players in position to succeed time after time, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban put their players in position to succeed time after time again, and they win even when they have inferior talent. Not Bama, but Patriots, even when they may not be the most talented team on the field or even in the league, they still come out on top. Mm-hmm. So we'll start. We'll we'll see that. But yeah. when you don't, when you don't, like you said, protect your assets and put the pieces around that are needed, this is what's going to happen. But what do you think is going to happen, or how do you view the six and a half over under? What are your expectations now? Is there anyone fantasy wise? on that offense that gets a bump, gets a downgrade. Um, What do you think in terms of that? I think Mac and T.Y. Hilton are just very, very slight downgrades. I really think that Brissette can throw a nice ball. They're going to try to get the ball in T.Y.'s hands where he can make space, where he can make in space where he can make plays. Mac's still going to get force-fed, and they still have one of the best offensive lines in football. So I don't think fantasy-wise they'll be that different. Schedule-wise... I mean, let me just do quick math. They'll probably be favored in three games all year. The safe, I see, I think their ceiling is seven games. Personally, I think it's seven games at most. Actually, actually, I'll say eight games is their ceiling. Comfortable with seven. This is a complete stay away for me. If you're going to do preseason over under win totals, I would completely not touch this. It's This is not something I would want. Would it shock me if they get eight wins? No. Would it shock me if they got four wins? No. Nothing would shock me unless this team reached nine, ten wins made the playoffs. Or if they completely be bottomed sur- out. I'm at the point right now, I'm not, I would not be totally surprised if it's nine, ten wins. I mean that that's true. I'm, and I, the more I think about the AFC South, the more I'm seeing how Tennessee, the team that we both liked, they their offense is just vanilla and it's just blah. The Texans like have every year. Mm-hmm, the Texans have severe offensive line issues, and I'm and Lamar Miller tore his ACL. So now you have Duke Johnson as your primary running back. We'll see how he could do. Good guy to grab in fantasy. And by the way, this is this is the exact reason why I do not like drafting until after the th- the third preseason week. And it's not to do with the luck the luck retirement. It's the Lamar Miller ACL tear and how, you know, what if someone invested a fifth round pick and another fifth round pick's done, and then people try to say it's more skillful to draft months ahead, weeks ahead. You can say that. It's also more skillful to not have not draft the tw- guy at the torn ACL. You already drafted because your t- league one drafted early. So I'm not gonna get into all that. But um yeah, I could see I could see eight wins. And the other thing is the Jaguars are a giant question mark themselves. So who knows what's gonna happen in this division? Let me the, let me ask you this. Yes. Do the Colts have the best coaching in the AFC South? Yes. With that being said, that's what in we were talking on the AFC South pod. The Colts had the best backup in the NFL, which Kobe percent. We could not think of a team that had a better backup than the Colts. We haven't seen Jacoby Brissett under Frank Reich. Mm-mm. And I- he has a full 16, 
at least a full season, a full 16 games under his belt that he's played. And that was a, he still played well and they still, they lost a lot of games. I mean, you said they went four and 12, but him with that experience, plus sitting behind luck last year and learning that offense, him being in the year two in this offense, being with Frank Reich, them having the offensive pieces around them and having that solid offensive line core. I think I'm would be taking that six. I would be taking that over. I might place a bet on it soon because I, I'm confident. I'm confident that this is at least an eight and eight team. And I mean, like their division is so is so in, up in the air that you never know. And so you, you're going to be playing Nick Foles and Mariota four times a year. And then you have Deshaun Watson. That's the, the quarterbacks in this division are Deshaun Watson, Shakoi Brissett, Nick Foles, and Marks Mariota. Yeah, it's it's not like they're in the it's not like they're in the AFC NFC South or even the NFC North or the. I mean, this is one of the poor. It's probably the poorest QB division in football, and it stinks, man. The Andrew Luck news really, it stinks as as much as I could say, and. You were talking about management. It does start up top, the ownership in Jim Mercer. You have an erratic owner who has his own personal problems, who wants to be the man. And then you see the fans of Indianapolis who have been classy forever. And then you boo this guy for walking off. It's I know it's not a representation of all their Colts fans and it's raw motion and all of these things, but that's probably the that could be the last time he's on that field ever. And who knows if he's going to want to accept your invitation to come back and watch him now because of the way you treated him. And I'm sh- and I assume that, yeah, he's even acknowledged in his press conference, he was walking out and said, you know, that hurt. I'm not going to lie to you. I hurt and it hurt. He probably was like, yeah, I'm making the right decision. These guys don't see me as a human. They see me as just another a person to just to root for until my time goes. And then they'll remember me for a couple. And they'll remember me for their good times. And then that's it. With a what if era. And... The what if about Luck is, yeah, he, what, he could have been the, one of the top quarterbacks ever. That's not a hyperbole. That's not bloviating. That's just facts, stats, leadership, prospects, all that stuff. He would, could have been one of the greats. So do you have anything to add on this situation, the Colts, Luck as a whole, anything like any closing remarks with this before we move on to college? I'm just excited. I mean, the only thing is I'm excited to see what Andrew Luck does in his post-playing career. Um, He got an architectural design degree at Stanford. The dude is smart. That was a master's, right? I want to say so, yeah. He got a master's from Stanford in four years. That's wild. Um, But that's, you know, that's what I'm looking forward to just to see what Andrew Luck does. He's an impressive human, not just an impressive football player mm-hmm. with a great, with a great mind. So maybe he'll architecturally design Monday night football <laughs> back to greatness, but we shall see. Oh, that was a great line. That was great. All right. We're going to leave pro football behind and we're going to move on to the college games where college football officially started. And shout out to Arizona Hawaii for putting on a phenomenal, phenomenal Pac-12 after dark never disappoints. Pac-12 whack after dark, man. Khalil Tatum was got almost tied at the end, and I bet you Kevin Summon, Kevin Summon would have went for two. But we're not gonna talk about that right now. We're gonna talk about Miami, Florida, the Sunshine State Showdown. 
Florida comes out on top, 24-20, does a last-second stoppage of Miami after Miami got multiple person pass, pass interference calls. Probably should got another one. And Flor- Florida wins 24-20. Felipe Franks uh, had two touchdowns, had two picks. It was just a, it was just a sloppy game. Every, it's the, everyone's first game and stuff like that. But if Florida's the eighth team in the country – for real, you see why no one can crack that Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma top four. That's exactly why. Because they did not play like the eighth team. All credit to Miami. They did not play like the eighth team in the in the nation. And they were saved because Miami's O-line could not block anyone. And Jaron Williams, redshirt freshman quarterback, making his first start, who went 19-30, 2-14, and a touchdown – but he had a 17.1 QBR. That's crazy. He, he was sacked 10 times because no, they just couldn't do anything. Um, inopportune turnovers on both sides. Florida had a couple bad turnovers, especially Felipe Frank on that last interception on the, that almost gave the game away. Um, special teams were sloppy on Miami. I think special teams was the reason Miami lost. They gave up the fake punt on the first drive. They muffed a punt inside their own 10 that led to a Florida touchdown, the go-ahead touchdown, and they missed a 27-yard field goal. I personally think that that and then the coaching offensive coordinator for not running a spread offense and not giving the ball to DJ Dallas, number 13, who had 12 carries for 95 yards and a touchdown, and Florida cannot tackle him. But Florida won 24-20. Noah, what are your thoughts on this game? I was happy to see Miami come out with some fire. Um, I was kind of disappointed as a, I was kind of disappointed in the lack. Florida's performance was lackluster in my opinion. Um, if I'm a Florida fan, I'm happy I got the win, but I'm not, my outlook on the season is kind of changing or at least my expectations are like on alert. Obviously it's one week. It's just one game. It's early week one so it's not end all be all but i don't i don't want to see my team playing like that where they they couldn't really run the football um offensively it was fully my issue is they just didn't push the ball down the field enough frequently in Florida, like they came out and they were just running all those like bubble screen, bubble screen, bubble screen to the outside type deals. Felipe Fakes had a couple, um, had a couple nice, decent runs himself um, to get out of some trouble. But I wanted their offense started rolling when they started pushing the ball down the field and stretching them vertically. Um, but as a whole, um, I mean, the game was just kind of, not that it was boring, but it was just sloppy, which made it kind of boring. Um, Just because it was like, it wasn't about either, like both teams playing great. It was just about who's going to make the least amount of mistakes. Which, I mean, is what sports typically come down to. But it it wasn't a Rams-Chiefs type of of game where it's just going to be in 100 total points or whatever. Um, what, what, what did you think about the game outside of, uh, 
outside of what you've already stated? I was just, you know, as a Florida State fan, I was watching it, and I'm just like, these teams are very beatable. These both these teams are very beatable as a Florida State fan, and I love. I honestly was I was watching with my with my family, and it was so funny seeing the um the turnover the new turnover chain the touchdown rings dude i think that's so funny um i wish of all people coach brandon for listening shout out to you he and i were texting at the game and he's like i don't know why they didn't run he didn't run miami didn't run big 12 rpos read pass options and i'm like that's exactly right everyone should be incorporating big 12 offenses into their systems for multiple reasons and the main reason is like something you always touch on is you touch on the quarterbacks. We're going to we're going to keep seeing these golden eras of quarterbacks because they're always throwing. We're also need to see, we're going to be we should be seeing more RPOs and spread offenses because that's what they run in. They run seven on sevens from elementary school to high school, and then in high school they're in spread offenses because they're effective. They limit. They they put a. They can put a little like duct tape over the problem if your offensive line is the problem because you get the ball out quickly. You're freezing defenses by by doing the read-pass options. That's what I w- wish I saw from Miami. That's what I wish I saw more of. Because Jaron Williams could run a little bit, and he was breaking tackles. and He did a the- great job escaping the pocket a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another thing is that I heard, I know, watching the games of people who don't under- who always scream, like, throw the ball and all that stuff – he didn't. He didn't make it. He didn't make any dumb throws. He didn't force the issue. He just took his sack, which hurts them in the terms of down and distance. But you know, he didn't make the big turnover. He I just Felipe Franks had two picks. He had no, he had no turnovers. I don't. Did he? Did Jaron fumble at all? I don't think Jaron did. I don't think so either. I I have the box score right here. They lost one fumble, and it was Jeff Thomas on the punt. Gotcha. Jaron Williams fumbled twice, but didn't lose them. Uh, yeah, oh, I just, I'll say this: Jeff go Thomas got the ball early on in the game, and then he he finished with two catches, twenty eight yards. And he had one carry for sixteen yards. They, he that dude needs to be getting more touches. I'd, Miami Miami has Miami. This Miami team has talent. I love that tight end Brevin Jordan. I've mentioned DJ Dallas. Uh, yeah, I, it's not. I mean, there's not too much to dive into this. Felipe Franks coming off the sideline after scoring and looking at the camera, saying it's too easy, running around. I mean, he's just. I'm not gonna label the guy a guy I don't know, but he's he he makes it very easy to root against Florida and himself. And I'm not someone who's like the passion, like oh I hate Florida, went to Florida State, all this thing. I'm not someone who's like that. But this guy makes it very easy for me to root against him, and I don't say that often. As far as the rest of the team goes, when Florida plays a very good passing offense, they are going to get lit up because that secondary is suspect, and they're relying very much so on that on that uh, front, as most teams should do. I mean, they had 10 sacks. Jeff's, Jab- um, Jabari Zuniga is a beast, number 92 for Florida. But the rest of this team, I'm – I mean, I'm I'm very interested to see, very interested to see how they improve moving forward. We'll see. Uh, I mean, that's real. I don't really have that much else to say about this game. Do you? 
No. Uh, I mean, I was watching the back end of the Hawaii-Arizona game. That game was... I was telling everyone I was watching the this UM-Florida game. I was like, yeah, but the, the there's Pac-12 after dark tonight. Like, we oh, got yeah. Arizona at Hawaii. And everyone's like, why would we watch that? I go, why would you watch that? Because it's going to be better than the game we just watched. Oh, definitely. It <laughs> absolutely is. If you didn't watch it, I recommend going and watching it because the last play of the Arizona-Hawaii game was nuts. It was 38-45. Hawaii was up. This game's in Hawaii. In front Ball's, of 14 people. Yes. Ball is on Hawaii's 35. Arizona has the ball. 10 seconds left. No timeouts left. Khalil Tate is a top 10 quarterback in the country. I would say top 10, top 12 quarterback mm-hmm. in the country. Um, just probably based on talent. And he scrambled out of the pocket, took off and ran, made two people miss, cuts back across to the middle of the field, um, is about to elude the last tackler when a defensive tackle ran 40 yards on a straight line and tackled him at the one-yard line as time expired. <sighs> that, it, that is some, that's entertaining football. That is what i am ready to watch that's the college football madness and that's why i'm that's why the ordinary, no ordinary pod team is so strong on pac 12 after dark oh yeah it's and the best someone thing was to, someone someone was trying to tell me like what why would you watch that and i was like you know like how awesome the big 12 can be and they're like yeah man big 12 and like the afternoon that that's like the best college football i go imagine that but nighttime chilling mm, in bed Hanging out with your cat, your pet, your loved one, just chilling by yourself, whatever floats your boat. You just turn it on and you, the only expectation you should have is consistent madness because that's what you're going to watch. And just, we mentioned Khalil Tate in the Pac-12 thing, Pac-12 preview, our little brief trip to out West and I want him in the NFL. I want someone to take a shot at him as a slot receiver running back. Please put him as a quarterback at first because that guy can make plays. And, yeah, just keep just keep what – keep if you're staying up late on Saturday, you're even going out, guess what? Say, hey, can you turn on ESPN? There's packed there's pack after dark. Or even go to CBS Sports. Hey, there's whack after dark. There's just so much co- – there's always college football on. And it's crazy to think about that. Uh, but – that's gonna no. You're good. Was that everything you wanted to get through? That's hey. That's all I got. All right, we went 45 minutes, guys. Thanks for checking us out, Noah. Thanks for hopping on. Yeah, it was great once again. All you college students that are listening, enjoy your first week of classes. I'm sure it's an exciting time to be back in your school and classroom, all that fun that comes with it. Um, yeah, and check us out. Subscribe, subscribe to us on Spotify, Twitter. Apple Podcast, everything's on SoundCloud now. I'm putting everything on SoundCloud. We're still we're still SoundCloud Potter, uh, SoundCloud Potters. Um, so yeah, I'm Michael Duggar. That's Noah Hemer. We are the Nordnary Pod team, and have a good day.